Dave Fanning on 2FM. Okay, now that we're officially in the run-up to Christmas, you may well be looking for ideas for something to stick in a stocking for the sports lover in your life. Well, Malachy Clarkin, sports journalist with the Irish Times, is here now to share his top recommendations for the best sports books of the year. Malachy, once again, welcome back to the programme. Off you go, Malachy. What's good? All right, what do we start with? We'll start with... Okay, we'll start with the game. Um, the game is by a Cork writer called Tyg Coakley. Yeah. Um, he's a novelist, he's an essayist, people would be familiar with him, uh, he, he writes in literary journals and stuff like that. Um, but he is, beyond all of that, all that very respectable stuff, a huge sports fan and was a great, you know, was a great, like he was a great hurler as a young fella, you know, he won in All-Ireland with uh, with Cork as a minor, he was a good, really good soccer player. Uh, but has been, you know, in love with sport all his life. And, you know, that sort of sentiment would ring out with an awful lot of us. You know, people who are just completely, every, you know, every day they think about sport in yeah. some sort of way. Yeah. But we don't think about it in as lyrical or as stylish a way as Tyg uh, Coakley has here. So his book here is essentially, it's a collection of essays, right? Mm-hmm. And... If there's a common thread through them, it's it's sort of his attempts to understand sport. And like that sounds like a stupid idea for a book because like sport is so huge. There's so it's such a big amorphous blob of a thing. But he's such a brilliant writer and he's so curious and so so interested in thinking his way around the sort of the big themes of sport. And it's beautiful. It's a really gorgeous, gorgeous book about why we love sport, why we are into it at all, what it means, what it means for our emotional connections, what it means for our families, all of that sort of stuff. Okay, and so sport uh, in general, is, is it like, is it a collection of essays or one big piece? It's a collection of essays. It's uh, so it's 13, 13 essays. Right. And they're all different. You know, one's about belonging and one's about women in sport and one's about, um, you know, uh, the, the, he's a brilliant one called Kisses about uh, how his father kissed him after, uh, after a match when he was a young lad and that he's been chasing that kiss ever since right. through sport. And it's brilliant. Yeah, I did... I couldn't recommend it enough. It's a really good Okay, well, that sounds like a recommendation. All right, it's Merrion Press. It's called The Game, and it's by Tyg Coakley. And we are talking with Malachy Clerken. Give us another one, Malachy. Okay, so I, I, I always keep a soccer book for you, Dave. I know that uh, I know that that's where your particular uh, love for sport lies. So yeah. we'll go with The Rodfather right. uh, by, by Roddy Collins and Paul Howard. Right. So now... People is, will know is, Roddy is, Collins. Is this the Roddy Collins story, but Paul Howard puts it together? That's exactly. It. All yes, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, he's his, his ghostwriter. You know, it, yeah. it all now. It all comes through Roddy's voice. It's all like actually that that you ask a really interesting question there. I would say the job of the ghostwriter here was it's absolutely key to it because the thing with Roddy Collins is he has lived this enormous life. You know, he's yeah. a journeyman footballer. He was a manager, managed, I, I think he was he was with 22 clubs between playing and managing uh, by the end of it all. Uh, you know, he's a plasterer, he's a chancer, he's all of these sort of things. He's a bit larger than life character and he's a storyteller. But he needed Paul Howard 
to write this book with him because if you ever listen to him talk, he's, you know, he goes off in tangents and, yeah. you know, he, one thought leads into the other and they all fall over each other. This book is the funniest sports book I have read in an awful long time and the funniest I will read in an awful long time because the way... You know the way sports autobiographies go? They go from game to game and, you know, there's some big disaster or there's some big thing. Like, there are... This is is just such a a stream of consciousness of anecdotes, of yarns, of stories. Everything has a story. There's no... You you know the way, like, uh, like an autobiography, a sports autobiography would go, and then we went and we played Derry in the uh, quarterfinal of the Cup. And your man scored two goals and go on. That small, that quarterfinal of the cup against Derry, Roddy will have five stories about the bus journey up, yeah, right. the, like f- finding one of his uh, his players, uh, ordering a, a breakfast roll on the bus up yeah. uh, and, and going, what, what are you at there? And he says, ah, you know, the game isn't for eight hours. And he says, we shall be in your belly for three days. <laughs> you know, everything is a story. Everything is an anecdote. And, and then celebrating is. in Lily's Bordello afterwards. Lily's Bordello. And, and look, there's just so many ups and downs. It's a human story. Um, and it is so, so entertaining. Like, you will just laugh the whole way through. Well, you can't argue with that. The Rodfather, it's what it's called, by Roddy Collins mm. and Paul Howard. It's Penguin Sandy Cove. Keep going, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we'll stick with another, another autobiography. Uh, we'll, we'll go with Kelly, by Kelly Harrington okay. um, and Roddy Doyle. Again, the ghostwriter, very important here. Um, Kelly Harrington won her Olympic gold medal last year and literally, could have, literally had the pick of anybody to write her book with her. Yeah. Uh, and the choice of Roddy Doyle was so interesting because I I was reading this book going in a sports writer's hands, in a sports journalist's hands. This book would have been different. I think I think there would have been a much more, much more focus on, you know, uh, boxing in Ireland and women's boxing in Ireland and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, pathways and how somebody reaches the top and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I look. All of that is in here, but because Roddy Doyle is, you know, he's a world famous author. Uh, He's he's into sport. He's obviously he's a big Chelsea fan, but, you know, he doesn't really know an awful lot about boxing. And so his curiosity gets Kelly to to carry the story in a different way. You know, there's a lovely opening to a chapter one time where. She talks about, um, you know, the process of wrapping her hands, you know, the way boxers wrap their hands yeah. before they put the glove on. And I was reading that going, that's clearly Roddy has sat down one day and says, tell me how to wrap, how to wrap your hands. And it's so beautiful the way it's rendered that it's just it's 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 an example of what the book is in Roddy's hands that it wouldn't have been in somebody else's hands. Do you get so the impression really, that, that Kelly was a bit of a tearaway, basically, and then suddenly became the biggest thing ever? Not suddenly, but yes, absolutely she was. And mm. it's funny, she was like, I've interviewed her over the years, loads of people have interviewed her over the years because she's so warm, she's such an yeah. open personality. And she would uh, sometimes, I often sort of darkly refer to uh, who she was as a sort of a 13, 14 year old. And you'd try and push her on it and she'd always just come back. Ah, no, no, no. I'm keeping that for the book. Yeah, so yeah. it's here, you know, like as a 13, 14 year old, she'd sort of run away from school. She'd sorry she was doing 
plenty of drugs drinking. She was shoplifting. You know, she was just, you know, she was live a, a north inner city dub. Yeah. No real, no, with, with no real idea what she wanted out of life. She had to, her mom and dad had basically had to send her to England over to an aunt to kind of knock the edges off her, to yeah. kind of, you know, she went over for a few months just with no defined thing in mind, but essentially she went over to to get away from, from her own neighbourhood. And does it build up well towards the Olympics at any stage? Oh, it's amazing, Dave. It's actually oh. the last sort of 50, 60 pages of it. Because you are, after a while, going, okay, so, like, Kelly's personality comes through here and she's so, you know, you know people really love her, and, and, and rightly so. But, you know, what what's the Olympics going to be like? And the, the sort of last 50 pages of it build and build and build to her winning her Olympic medal. And there's a beautiful scene the, the sort of in the hours after she wins her medal, it's the last night of the Olympics. Everybody's getting ready to go home, but she can't sleep. And so she goes down to the Olympic canteen. It's this vast, vast food hall that all countries have access to. Yeah. But there's absolutely nobody in it because the Olympics are to all intents and purposes over at that stage. And she sits down and has a cup of tea on her own. And she's so lonely and she cries. She goes like she is... She's no now. Part of it is she has been up for about twenty four hours at this stage, but it's also just the loss, the you know, the the come down after achieving the thing that she had set out to achieve. And you really, you're you're just your heart is bursting for her, like. And, and is and that Roddy beautiful. talking to Kelly and then Roddy writing about it yeah. himself? Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. But it's you know all I mean? done through yeah. Kelly's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, it's lovely. It's a really warm book, and like Kelly Harrington is such a such a warm funny person like some of it's very funny as well like you know her her sort of wit and her yeah. her sort of approach to life comes through it's great it's lovely book. okay it's called Kelly it's by Kelly Harrington and Roddy Doyle and again that's Penguin now tell me about Limerick yeah like the, okay so the, there's a book this year this, this is probably the GA book of the year I'd say uh, it's called Limerick an autobiography in nine lives it's actually not called that so it's called a biography in nine lives um and it's by Arthur James O'Dea. Arthur James O'Dea is a young uh, sports journalist. He works in Off the Ball and News Talk. Uh, he's a Sligo man, but he comes from Limerick stock. Basically, yeah. his father his father left Limerick 50 years ago as a 17-year-old um, and passed on a love uh, uh, for Limerick Hurland to, to his family. And now for most of Arthur's life, that was a dubious thing to have passed down to you because... Limerick, there was literally a book a few years ago, Dave, on Limerick Hurling called Unlimited Heartbreak. That's that's what Limerick Hurling was for <laughs> for most of the past 50 years. Right. Um, but now they are now they are bestride the hurling world like a colossus. They've won um, is it three of the last four or four of the last five? Anyway, look, they are the by far the best uh, hurling team around now. And so this is a really interesting way to tell that story. Arthur James O'Dea has basically, he has taken nine Limerick hurling personalities going back a century, like going back to Mick Mackey, who was born in 1912, and all the way up to Shane Dowling, who played, who only retired there recently uh, and played on the first All-Ireland winning team in, in 2017. And he um, he has gone through this, telling their stories and weaving all their stories together. And not it's not like, there's a chapter in Mick Mackey and then there's a chapter in Shane Dowling and then there's a chapter on Eamon Cregan and there's a chapter on Joe Quaid. It's not like that. 
it's like within chapters, they are, they kind of, he kind of hops from one lily pad to the next, if you get me, like he just kind of goes from one story to the next. And it, it sounds actually like a hard book to read because you're kind of going, how do you keep hold of the story? How do you keep yeah. grasp of what he's trying to say here? But actually the real genius of the book is how easy it is to read and how well it flows together. And it's a completely original idea. Like God knows, Dave, I tell you this every year, I read so many sports books yeah. and I have over the last, whatever, 20 years read so many of them. And this is the first one I've seen do this and do it so well. Like it just, just the structure of the book makes it so kind of compelling. You're just reading it and going, okay, okay. And that links to this and this links to that. And it's like reading, it's almost like kind of reading a scrapbook. What a really brilliantly And I presume at the centre of it all, there's an absolute, absolute passion and love for Limerick hurling. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, um, it's, it, it, it's something, and, and that's the thing. There's, there's nine biographies is the, is the sort of the title of the yeah. book. But actually the OD family is kind of the tense biography here because uh, there's so much of it is, well, not so much of it, but it, but in there is is the 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 writer's relationship with his father and their family and yeah. where they are for certain games and all of this sort of stuff and how how they met uh, when it when they eventually won their All Ireland and all that sort of stuff. Lovely, really, okay. really. Well, it's really... called it's called Limerick: A Biography and Nine Lives by Arthur yeah. James O'D. and it's Hero Books. Any rugby books? Yeah. The best rugby book this year, really, is a book called Second Sight. Um, it's by Ian McKinley, uh, and he's, he's written it with uh, Jerry Thornley, who works in the Irish Times, the rugby correspondent yeah. of the Irish Times. Ian McKinley, people will remember the name, um, was he, he basically sort of came through the Leinster School's uh, uh, academy and was in the Leinster Academy around the same time as sort of Ian Madigan, he was sort of the next wave of, of out-halves after Johnny Sexton. And um, he was playing in a match for UCD um, when one of his teammates accidentally stood on his face. And um, it was a horrendous injury. Uh, he ended up losing his eye over it. Um, and, you know, to most people, you know, losing an eye, all you're really all you're really interested in then after that is living your life, you know, mm. because living a life with one eye is, is such a mountain to climb, you know, having to relearn so much. Um, but this book is about his, his refusal to just live a life that it, it, it was his, his passion was rugby. And he, he initially sort of decided, well, I'll be a rugby coach. And that didn't, that didn't um, butter his parsnips basically. Mm. And that he 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 eventually he like he got really down on himself and was no fun to be around and was you know re he had a really bad bad few years of it and then a sort of a his brother who's a key character in it came over and met him in in Italy where he was coaching and um, they and basically could see as only brothers see could see that this was his life was going the wrong way and how, what can we do here. And so between them, they said, because well, Ian just said, look, I, I miss playing. I love playing. I, there has to be a way that we can get back. And so 
over the year, it took like it was a long, long road, but he found his way back. And yeah. not only did he find his way back, but he found his way back to the to the top of the professional game. You know, he ended up by the end of the book, not even the end of the book, but 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 he ended up, as people will know, you know, he ended up playing for Italy in the Six Nations. Yeah, so a pro rugby player, an international, yeah. a Six Nations starter, and all yeah. with one eye, basically. Oh, that's, all with one your eye, rug, yeah. that's your rugby book of the year. Second Sight yeah. is what it's called by Ian McKinley and yeah. Jerry Thornley. Yeah, yeah. And it's Reach, Reach Sport, the publisher. So just a quick roundup of one or two more, Malachy. What have you got? All right, where do we go? Uh, golf, people like golf. Uh, there's one brilliant golf book this year. Um, it's called uh, Phil. Uh, and he's one of the only golfer. Well, there are only a few golfers can go by one name, but uh, this is a, a biography. Be of Phil. I guess exactly. There you go. <laughs> a, a biography of Phil Mickelson uh, by the great American golf writer Alan Shipnock. Um, look, the the two <laughs> Mickelson and Shipnock fell out over this book, and anybody that's into golf will 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 have an idea why. So there's no no need to really rehash it here, but. That's that kind of does it a disservice because it's not a hatchet job. This book, it's a really fair, thorough uh, picture of Phil Mickelson, and it has one of the best opening chapters I have ever ever read in a sports book, where Shipnock basically goes to thirty different well-known golf personalities and says, "Give me your best Phil Mickelson story," mm-hmm. and and all the chapter is is those thirty stories, one after the other after the other. It's fantastic. It is so so. Brilliant. And why did Mickelson fall out with them? Because uh, at the apex of the book, uh, Mickelson is moving to Live Golf, uh, or what yeah. becomes Live Golf, as, yeah. uh, uh, which has torn the PGA Tour mm. apart and Absolutely. all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, Shipnock uh, released basically their interview, which Mickelson has since claimed ridiculously was off the record right. uh, because, you know, Mickelson rang Shipnook and he basically said very bad things about the Saudis who were running yeah. uh, Live Golf. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, um, but look, it, the book itself is is fantastic. It, it, okay. It's very, very It's good. called Phil. It's by Alan Shipnook and it's Simon yeah. Schuster. Just give us three very quick more. Uh, three, three more, yeah. very quick more. Okay. Yeah. Really, really quick one. Uh, there's uh, a... <laughs> There are, of course, a million Muhammad Ali books are, are around, but the Dave Hannigan um, has written another one. This one is called 15 Rounds in the Wilderness. It deals with the 15 years between Ali's last fight and the 96 Olympics when he lit the flame uh, oh, yeah. in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. And, you know, really interesting structure, Dave. Like, Hannigan essentially doesn't really write and it's not that he doesn't write anything. He just tells story after story after story after story documenting where Ali was in 1981. So what is it? Is it funny or is it sad? Some of it's very funny. Some of it is really, really sad because the sad overarching thing, of course, is that Ali is losing, uh, losing his mind all the way through. And by by Atlanta, you know, he is racked with Parkinson's and it's such a sad, sad story overall. But some of it is very, very funny. Um, Let's go into the GA. There's a few other GA books worth reading. Uh, Jem O'Connor. Uh, was a uh, recently retired or in the last few years uh, from uh, the Cork Camogie team. She's written a book with Sinead Farrell, really, really interesting, really soulful book. Um, you know, Gemma's in the army. Her mom was sick for uh, for the end of her hurling career. She's a gay woman, all of this sort of stuff. It's all dealt with really, really well. Um, there's a really great compendium of GEA stories from around the country called Grassroots, 
uh, the second half. is It's edited by PJ Cunningham. It's kind of oral histories of, like, from every county around the country. And it's all stories that would be totally lost without without a book like this. Right. Um, what else is good? Oh, I hear this really good soccer book. Um, Rory Smith, who writes for the New York Times, has written a book called Expected Goals. Um, and it's about the data revolution in soccer. Oh, right, um, yeah. So basically how, how you know, data analysts have completely shaped football over the last 15 years. Yeah. Uh, kind of working underneath the surface of the game. But like everything that you watch now is, is completely informed by it. You know, the way like, like you've been watching the World Cup. Like mm. how many goals have been scored from outside the box? I think I think it's two as of now. <laughs> uh, that's because the data analysts say you you shouldn't be shooting from outside the box anymore, yeah, yeah, and right. it has completely changed the sport. That's just one little way. So it's a really good book, really really interesting. Okay, uh, well look, there, look that, that's that. enough to be going on with. I can tell you as usual, brilliantly put together, well done. Thank you so much, Maliki, for all of that. Just the game by Ty Coakley was the first one you mm. had, and that'll be your one really if you talk about. I mean, if you, if you think about it, there's the Rod Father by Roddy Collins and Paul. Howard, Kelly by Kelly Harrington and Roddy Doyle. There's also Limerick, a biography in Nine Lives by Arthur James O'Dea. Second Sight by Ian McKinley and Jerry Thornley. And basically the rest of them that you mentioned as well. As, as usual, Malachi, thank you so much. Absolutely fantastic. Happy Christmas and good luck. Thanks a million, Malachi. Uh, cheers, Dave. Anytime. Dave Fanning on 2FM.